Hi, this is Alana Terry, and you are listening to Season 6 of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. The audiobook for this season was voted on by our Patreon community at patreon.com slash Terry, where for as little as $3 a month, you can get free ebooks and audiobooks, and all the money that we raise is being donated to Liberty in North Korea and their Underground Railroad for Refugees. This season of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast is being sponsored by my newest thriller, Save Me Once, which is the story of a mother trying to bring home her lost little girl. And today, our Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook that we're listening to is Frost Heaves, an Alaskan refuge Christian suspense novel by me, Alana Terry, narrated by Becky Dowdy. I hope you enjoy it. Chapter 38 Jade wasn't going to believe it. This was some sort of social experiment where independent film directors with far too much time on their hands set up elaborate hoaxes just to see how people would respond. Somewhere behind her were cameras, a film crew ready to catch her reaction. She wasn't going to give them the luxury of laughing at her for being the world's most gullible person. That's ridiculous, she argued. I shot her myself. Did you actually check the body once she fell? I was a little too busy to feel for a pulse, if that's what you're asking. Ben took a step back. I'm not blaming you. I'm sure there was a lot of stress. It's something anyone could miss. I shot her. Jade spoke the words definitively. She could still hear the sound of the gunfire, could see the way Sapphire fell. I know you did, and from the looks of it, she lost a lot of blood. But then the trail vanished and no body has turned up. So we have to assume she survived. We have to be very careful. She wouldn't be stupid enough to come after us a second time. How desperate could one woman get? I'm afraid she already might have. So far the nurse in custody isn't talking, but I'm willing to bet she put him up to it. I don't see how else he would have known to tamper with your daughter's IV. Your story hasn't hit the news yet, and he doesn't work on this floor. What kind of security system did this hospital have if strange men could just walk into a patient's room and inject a child with God only knows what? Jade clenched her jaw, anything to channel her anger and her fear, anything to get her mind off Sapphire. She can't be alive. Even as she said the words, Jade realized there was no other explanation. So what do we do now? We tell our guys to keep their eyes open for her, and we give you and your daughter tightened security. What's that mean? Well, if it won't make you feel too cramped or uncomfortable, it probably means that you and I will be spending quite a bit more time together. Chapter 39 Well, we've watched How the Grinch Stole Christmas, A Charlie Brown Christmas, and Mickey's Christmas Carol. Is there anything else we're missing? Ben asked. I want to watch Frozen, Des piped up. Jade laughed. I don't really think that's a Christmas movie, baby. Des stuck out her lower lip. But it's got snow in it. Ben gave a playful shrug. She's got a point there. Des turned to her mom with pleading eyes. Please? 
Jade stood up. Fine, I'll go see if they have it at the front. Let me go. Ben stood up. I need to return a few calls anyway. I'll be back soon. He smiled down at her and his hand brushed her shoulder as he walked past and out the door. You're doing it again. Jade turned to her daughter. Doing what? What are you talking about? She asked, even though she had a feeling she already knew the answer. You were staring at him again. No, I wasn't. Yes, you were. And you looked just like this. Des puckered up her lips into a kissing face. Jade couldn't keep from laughing. You better be careful or he'll come in here and see you doing that. Come in here and see you doing what? Ben's voice at the door made Jade jump. He flashed a grin. Sorry, I left my phone. Did I miss anything important? Just the part where Mommy said she wanted to kiss you. Jade felt the heat rush to her face. No, I most certainly did not say that. Yes, you did. Des smacked her lips together noisily. That's enough. Jade could hardly force herself to meet Ben's eyes to see his response. He kept his focus on Des. Well, tell your mom that kissing is something very special. You should only do it with someone you care about very much. He grinned. See you in a few minutes. After he left, Jade leaned closer to her daughter. What do you think you're doing, talking like that? She didn't know if she was more angry or mortified. Des shrugged. I was only trying to help. Jade searched her daughter's face for the telltale signs of sassiness, but they were missing. Well, don't do it again. You'll make me die of embarrassment. I didn't know adults got embarrassed. Well, they do, especially when you're talking about your mother kissing someone she hardly knows. You know him well enough, and you do want to kiss him, don't you, Mama? Just lie down and get some rest. Aren't you supposed to be sick or something? Des grinned. I still think that you should ask Ben on a date. Jade pointed her finger in her daughter's face. There you go again. What have I told you about talking like that? Des sighed loudly. Sorry. I mean, you should ask Officer Ben on a date. Chapter 40 Lab reports came in that afternoon. The drug in Des's IV could have been fatal, but she'd received antidotes soon enough that nobody expected serious complications. I wouldn't be too surprised if she was a little drowsier than normal, the doctor explained. I should be so lucky, Jade grinned at her daughter. Hey, Des gave a playful pout. Right before dinner time, the nurse came in with all the discharge paperwork and instructions. The timing couldn't have been more perfect, since Pastor Reggie and his family were due to land at the airport any minute. Thankfully, the pastor's van would have enough space to fit Jade, Des, and Ben. It would be midnight or maybe even later by the time they reached Glen Allen, but at least they could spend the night at their home. Two different police officers stopped by to hear Jade's story about shooting Gabriel at the cabin. Ben assured her it was standard procedure and that she didn't have anything to worry about. She wanted to trust him, 
but she still had a hard time believing the justice system would be completely fair and unbiased toward her. Hopefully, the fact that Gabriel had held Jade at gunpoint, that the gun she'd shot him with was his own, and that he was one of the men who'd abducted her daughter, would free her of any murder charges. Ben knew a lawyer in Anchorage she promised to get her in touch with, even suggesting he might help her out pro bono if she ended up needing legal advice. Jade was thankful for his help, thankful that in this sea of cops in their imposing uniforms, she had someone she could count on as a friend, an ally. Ben spent nearly the entire day at the hospital, laughing when a therapy dog came in to cheer Des up with some tricks, keeping Jade supplied with as much coffee as she could ever want. You sure you're not getting too bored with plain old black? he asked, his teasing eyes twinkling. She grinned back. Are you saying a little cream might do me some good? Never know unless you try. It was nice to have a friend. After all the discharge paperwork was filled out, Des hopped into a wheelchair to head downstairs. While she kicked her light-up tennis shoes on the footrests, Ben insisted on taking a few selfies with her. It's not every kid who gets to ride their own chariot. I don't think even Elsa had one of these in Frozen, did she? Elsa could have made one out of ice. Ben smiled. But I bet she wouldn't have looked as smart as you do, though. Halfway down the hallway, he asked the nurse if he could be the one behind the wheelchair. Now I can say I've pushed a real princess around. Jade worried he was spoiling her daughter. Most days, it took all of Jade's energy to get them to the daycare on time and come home and crash on the couch for a few minutes before it was time to heat up something for dinner. She was thankful for all of Ben's attention, but she hoped Des wouldn't be disappointed when they got back to Glen Allen and life returned to normal. At least the daycare was closed for Christmas break. Jade would try to find the energy to do some arts and crafts with Des, maybe bake some cookies. The downside was that no work meant such a meager paycheck at the end of the month. She still wasn't sure what she was going to do about presents. How sad was it that just a few hours after promising God to be a better mom if he only brought her daughter back to her, Jade was reverting right back to her old, tired, worried self, stressed out about money, easily annoyed if Des asked too many questions or demanded too much out of her. Ben wheeled Des into the hospital gift shop, insisting that she pick out anything she wanted. Jade watched them, despising the familiar feeling of guilt that seemed to permeate her entire life as a mother. Guilt she wasn't doing enough, buying enough, being enough for her daughter. Ben was nice, but Jade couldn't shake the feeling that he was showing off. See, being a parent is easy. Look how good at it I already am, and she's not even mine. Ben would never know what it felt like to be Des's mom, to be so terrified for her daughter's safety you nearly threw up, to experience those heart palpitations and that cold sweat every time you thought about what might have happened, what had already happened. Kids are resilient. It was something Jade had been telling herself for years, ever since Des was a baby and managed to roll herself off the bed and land on the hard wooden floor. 
Kids are resilient, the phone nurse said, calming Jade's fears, assuaging her guilt. Maybe the nurse was right. Jade watched her daughter in the gift store checkout line, holding two new books plus a giant Elsa balloon she'd conned Ben into buying for her. There was no visible indication that her daughter had just survived a kidnapping, a night in the woods, and a poisoning attempt. Des was smiling, playful, and as lively as always. Kids are resilient. Maybe Des had already bounced back from all the fear and trauma she'd endured. But what if she was carrying it beneath the surface? What if the trauma wouldn't come out for months or even years? Would Jade wake up when her daughter was a high schooler, only to learn that Des's eating disorders and propensity to self-harm all stemmed back from the past 24 hours? Someone like Ben didn't have to worry about that. All he had to do was crack jokes and hand over his credit card to the cashier behind the counter. Jade had no idea how much money Alaska state troopers made, but it was certainly more than a -a 30-hour-a-week daycare employee. "'You're doing it again, Mom,' were the first words out of Dez's mouth when Ben wheeled her out of the store. Jade wasn't about to argue and risk Ben's overhearing. She pried her eyes away from him and smiled at her daughter. "'Ready to go home, baby?' Dez nodded. "'Yeah, but can we make a quick stop first? Officer Ben's gonna buy me a big old hamburger with lots of french fries. And ice cream, too!' Thanks again for listening to the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. You've been listening to Frost Heaves by me, Alana Terry, narrated by Becky Dowdy. Today's episode is sponsored by my newest Christian thriller, Save Me Once, about a mother's courageous attempts to do everything in her power to rescue her daughter from a life on the streets. Again, that is Save Me Once by Alana Terry. And I hope you join us again soon for our next installment of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast.